I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Rob Norman, and this is Personal Best. We are sitting at a Pizza Hut lunch buffet. Across from me is my producer, Andrew Norton. Now this is how you eat lunch. Well, we came to the Pizza Hut lunch buffet for one reason and one reason only. The variety. Sorry. When I originally said we should go to the Pizza Hut lunch buffet... Didn't even think of the thematic implications with this episode. <laughs> no, I just wanted to go eat pizza. I mean, I think if the theme was variety, we maybe could have chosen a more robust buffet. There's only three pizzas here, and one of them's a dessert pizza. But isn't it so nice, though, to go to a place where you have little tastes of things, and you don't have to have the entire meal? Sure, yeah, buffets, yeah. And that's what we're going to do this week. We are going to give you a bunch of different stories, small, short ones, that you can um, nibble on. It's two stories, so don't go too crazy. Well, the buffet thing is a little bit... Don't wreck the metaphor. I'm going to get more pizza. You want more? No. When I have a big decision, or even a small decision to make, I am completely useless. I go back and forth, I, I flip, I flop. Even when I do settle on something, the other option immediately looks better. And maybe that suits me. I mean, I'm a risk-adverse overthinker. So I was kind of relieved when I heard that small decisions can be difficult, even for adventurous people, like Jan. I've climbed Machu Picchu. I went snorkeling in the Great Barrier Reef. I have come face-to-face with a family of baboons. She's a grandma grabbing retirement by the cojones. Oh, I've also done paragliding for my birthday when I was 60. There's only one thing that instills fear into her heart. Menus. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Specifically, large menus. I feel like when I go to a place where it's like reading the Bible, and I've got a hundred things that I've got to choose from, I'm going, oh, I don't know, I get a little bit panicky. This panic leads to indecision, which is kind of out of character when you think about how adventurous Jan is. Everybody knows exactly what they want, and I'm like, um, yeah, okay, I think we're going to have that. Okay, no, that's good. Okay, I won't have the bread, but I'll share your dessert. But this is a dessert worth it. But then I turn the page and I see something better. <laughs> so that even complicates it more because I'm now, made my mind up maybe, but I'm looking at something that looks better than what I'm going to choose. So it's embarrassing. She's been to more countries than Carmen Sandiego, and she still can't decide if she wants the Sesame Jack chicken strips or not. I get frustrated. I look at everybody. I feel their hunger. I feel just, oh, this is so stupid. Why am I making a big deal? You know, it's, it's a first world problem. If I spent less time humming and hiring and just ordered and then catching up with what's going on with everybody's life, that's what it's really about. It would be amazing for me to shock my lot and be the first one to order and say, yeah, I'm going to have that. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. That's it. Thank you. Just to surprise everybody. 
So what's stopping her from doing that? What's stopping her from, at the next meal, just choosing right away? I think like a kid, I think. Sometimes you feel you're missing out. What else is beyond that closed door? Jan wants to be a better chooser. Now, I suck at this too, especially with menus. I always feel like I ordered the wrong thing. So I phoned up this guy, Dan Gardner. Hello. Hey, Dan, can you hear us? Yeah, all good. Dan's a journalist who's written a bunch of books on decision-making, so he seemed like a good person to talk to. I started by asking him about that feeling you get when it seems like everyone around you ordered something better. There's got to be a scientific term for that. Yeah, the term would be being human. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, what I always say to people is, because very often when people look at the psychology of decision-making, they sort of come to the conclusion, oh my God, we're so irrational. We're just hopeless. We're not hopeless. I think the problem is that we often don't scale our decision-making to our realities. If you weren't living in peace and abundance, you wouldn't be under the illusion that choosing an item from a menu is an important decision. So so we're using our brain power on the small stuff. Exactly. We spend far too much time thinking about unimportant decisions and far too little time thinking about important decisions. So the first thing that Dan says to do when making a decision is figuring out if it's important. If it's a big decision, like buying a house or getting a perm, by all means, wring your hands, bother your loved ones, spend mental energy on that. But if it doesn't have a long-lasting consequence, like, should I order the Cali chicken grilled cheese, Dan has a solution. And the solution is what psychologists call heuristics, which is simply a rule of thumb. You take a really simple rule and you apply that rule. You let the rule make the decision for you. So, for example, when I order off a menu, I have a rule too. Uh, My rule is if I see something new that I've never ordered before, that's what I will order. Or it can be as simple as just always ordering the first thing alphabetically on the menu. It can be totally arbitrary. Absolutely. Because, again, you have to ask yourself, how important is this decision really? And if the answer is it's not terribly important, then, yes, it makes perfect sense to choose an arbitrary rule. Here's what I'm thinking. We know Jan's adventurous. So maybe a good heuristic for her would be just randomly choosing a menu item. That is an excellent idea in theory, except there's one niggling problem. It's that we are terrible actually at choosing things at random. (laughs) We think it's random, but it's not really random. We're really actually terrible. Unless you carry around dice in your pocket, (laughs) I wouldn't recommend random. (laughs) You'd almost have to outsource the randomness. Exactly. Outsource the randomness. Challenge accepted, Dan Gardner. Challenge accepted. It's the following week. Associate producer Jess Shane and I gather at the nexus of where food quality and incredible value meet. The Pickle Barrel. If you haven't heard of it, it's the place you might go when your aunts are in town, you know? It's got a huge menu. I meet Jan and we find our table. Hello, Andrew. Feel like I'm on a blind date, eh? (laughs) Before we open our menus, I try and explain to her what Dan told us. You know, heuristics, wasting brain power, making a simple rule for yourself, that kind of stuff. Okay. It's time to reveal the custom heuristic we made for Jan. The Jan Decision-Making Hotline. Oh. So you can call this hotline 
and you don't have to worry about making a decision on the menu. Okay, this is actually fascinating. Okay. I dialed the number and hand the phone over to Jan. Hello, and welcome to the Jan Decision Making Hotline. Please clearly say into the phone, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or whatever meal you're ordering for. Or say operator. Lunch. Yeah, lunch. So the Jan decision-making hotline is actually just Rob's cell phone number. He's back at the CBC studio. And I was doing a robot voice. It sounded like she was talking to someone from the Jetsons. <laughs> it was very convincing. Was it? That makes me happy. So I was back at the CBC studio, and I had this garbage bin, and I took about 50 ping-pong balls, and I numbered them all, 1 to 50. And when she would call, I would reach in. It was kind of like bingo, where you like pull out a number, and then that would be the number I would tell her. So we had a truly random system. Absolutely 100% random. Okay, first, let's choose the page number for your menu. Rob randomly picks out the first ball. Page 30. 30? Did you say 3-0? Page 30. Is there no page 30? Um, possibly no. So, yeah, there's, there's a few kinks we have to work out with the new hotline. Okay, uh... What about page 3? Page 3. Page 3, that's more yeah, doable. Yeah, that's more like... So we got a page number, one that actually exists. And now Rob draws another ball. Let's choose an item. 15. So we're looking for the 15th item on the page. Oh, yes. Um, Superberry cow salad with chicken. That's a great choice, I think. Kale, sliced Brussels sprouts, red cabbage. Very wholesome, healthy food. Does that sound delicious to you? Why not? That sounded so good, I got Jan to use her hotline to order for Jess and I as well. And I'm phoning for my dear friend Andrew here. He needs a little bit of assistance. I ended up with the Tex-Mex quesadilla. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. Chicken, beans, charcoal. Oh, that's nice. Then it was Jess's turn. Let's choose a random number for a menu page. Right, go ahead, go page. Number eight. Oh, number eight, number eight, page number eight. That appears to be wines. That's wines. Jess should order a wine. See? Like we said, completely random. We didn't get Jess a wine despite the insistence of Rob being a robot on the phone. We did redraw, though, and she ended up getting this weird zucchini poutine appetizer. It's an interesting, even the name, Zooks and Curds. Wow. It's intriguing. Thank you so much, Mr. Robot. Thank you for using the Jan decision-making hotline. Please enjoy your meal. Yep. Have a good life. Have a good life indeed. Jan just ordered for the whole table with no fuss. Well, this is great. You got some fruit, you got some chicken. This looks like a good time over there. You can have some. Get another plate and you can eat some of this. Oh, I might take you up on that. Bon appetit, Jan. Thank you so much. This looks lovely. A lot of people don't realize that if you want really good eye health, eat lots of kale. Excellent. Success. But the real test will be Jan ordering in front of her family. So I give Jan the decision-making hotline number, and a few days later, I get a call from her. Hi, Jan. How are you? Oh, it's a bit of a zoo, but I'm I'm okay. (laughs) She's actually packing for another trip, and her grandkids are over. But earlier in the day, she went out for lunch with her family, and she used the Jan decision-making hotline. No, it worked really well. I mean, it was the quickest decision, 30 seconds. And then I closed the menu. So my son-in-law is impressed. My husband is very impressed. And everybody was gobsmacked. Heuristics, salads, sweet potato fries, ping pong balls. It all worked. 
It really did. It really, it really did. I had a lovely chicken Caesar, and then I got some um, fresh sweet potato fries with it, and it wasn't a big deal. It was just relaxed and easy. But I think my favorite part of all this is that until earlier today when she called me back, she legit thought Rob was a robot on the phone. His voice actually sounded like a robot. Wait, so so wait, you had no idea that that was Rob? Well, of course I should have because I, <laughs> I try to figure what his role was in this whole in this whole thing because he did such an incredible impersonation of a robot. <laughs> and and to be honest. I mean, robots are used for everything these days. <laughs> no! That's funny. Did you actually think I knew that? <laughs> no! That's what was so delicious about it all. <laughs> no, I thought it was an actual robot because his, 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 uh, it sounded like a robot that I was speaking to. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rob has story number two. There's probably one person in your life that, for whatever reason, you are unable to have a good conversation with. Maybe you're too nervous or you don't have much in common. Maybe the chemistry is just off. It could be your stepdad or maybe a coworker. My pal Manu has a very specific person in mind. I want to have a conversation with the cashier who I've seen for the last two years, and it's always been awkward. Manu stops at this massive drugstore almost every single day, and he always sees the same cashiers there. It's always awkward. Like I feel like I've known them for years now, and they've seen me buy like all kinds of weird shit at like weird times of the day. And so... Like, I feel like we, we should have this relationship at this point, but we don't. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. You know, like, it's it's never like, oh, hey, nice to see you again. It's always just like, oh, yeah, I guess you can pack my grocery later. I'm just going to leave now. Every time I'm in that context, like, my mind just freezes. You know that feeling when a conversation starts to turn sour. You miss one cue, and then that tiny little pause becomes this long, sustained silence. You think, I'm an adult. Why can't I talk to this person? What's wrong with me? All of it is so weird because Manu is normally great at conversations. It's just with cashiers, especially this one guy, this older guy with the ponytail. He's always there working late at night. Manu can just never get a conversation going with him. Honestly, I hate the the sort of like power dynamic that's at play there. Like it's it's all in my head, but I, in some sense it's like, oh, I'm being served by this person. I don't like that. You know, like I, I don't like that. That imbalance. Maybe because he's thinking about this dynamic so much, and then he overthinks it, and then the end result is just weirdness. Exactly. So it's like a whole mix of things. I just want to be able to have that conversation, have it go well, and then not, like, just not think about it. I'm not trying to be the Fonz. I'm just trying to be the easygoing, like, normal dude. That's my goal, just to be a normal, non-awkward dude at the grocery store. 
Manu wants to transcend the divide between customer and service industry professional. Many a skilled small talker have tried and failed. It was up to me to walk Manu across the gulf of banal chit-chat and directly into the good graces of his local cashier, of cashiers everywhere. To do this, I thought it best to invite a bunch of real cashiers to the studio for what I call speed dating for cashiers. Two minutes. Good luck. God bless. If you're not familiar with bad sitcom tropes of the early aughts, then allow me to explain speed dating. A bunch of single people each go on these mini dates and they all last for a couple minutes. They make notes on each other and then ultimately figure out if the person is a match or not. I would say that my preferred payment is now Apple Pay. Oh, wow. Yeah. In this case, I've invited four cashiers. I have favorite pizzas to sell and I have favorite pizzas to make. And my favorite pizzas to make are the ones that don't sell because then I get to take them home at the end of the day. Oh. I've also invited a group of customers, regular folk like you or me, and Manu is one of them. I still don't know what's happening yet or why I'm here. They each have a short conversation with one of the cashiers. Uh, are you a fan of Keanu Reeves? Each cashier takes meticulous notes detailing charm, icebreakers, general engagement. Time is up. Thank you so much. Manu and the rest of the customers head home, while the cashiers and I retreat to the studio to document who is dreamy, who is steamy, and who, unfortunately, was entirely transactional. Uh, I really liked contestant number one. I actually liked number one as well. He was just really kind of like warm. And contestant number two. This is the only time I've checked great all the times. He was very genuine. Unfortunately, Manu was customer number three. He just didn't stand out. So we wanted to figure out what makes a customer great. I love regular customers telling me in about what happened. That's why I like morning shifts. I see the same people every morning, and then we can talk. Ask interesting questions. Don't talk about the weather. Unless it's interesting weather. Like, what's an interesting question? Now you've got me interested. Like, do you believe in ghosts? That is an interesting question. No customer has ever asked me that. <laughs> From the very beginning, I just didn't understand his shirt, so I was meaning to talk to him. And then it opened so many doors. Just going to write down weird shirt. Yeah. The worst is when like somebody just is like staring at you and you're just like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just in this conversation alone. I guess the ideal customer sees me as a human being and not just uh, the robot that checks their groceries. Later that week, we all load up into Andrew's 2012 Honda Civic sedan and hit the streets. We're going to use the stuff that we learned from our cashier speed dating. Yeah. We're going to try and apply it here. We're going to help you practice some new skills. We're going to help you try some things out. We're going to help you try and get over this. Awesome. Woo! So our plan is to have Manu wear a wire and then send him into a bunch of Shoppers Drug Marts. Uh, Shoppers is the chain that's nearest house that he always goes to. If you don't know Shoppers Drug Mart, it's like a CVS or a Walgreens. I'm going to buy Fresca at every Shoppers because I fucking love Fresca. Is that cool with you? Let's get this fucking guy some fucking Fresca. You know, I, 90% of my shopping at Shoppers is mostly Fresca and, and ice cream. So we send Manu in. We heard from our panel that interesting questions can really impress a cashier. Do you believe in ghosts? Was a question that tested very well. But on our first stop, there's a Fresca emergency. Did they just stop stocking Fresca? Crazy, right? Thinking quick, producer Andrew Norton grabs a bag of fun-sized Twix, and Manu heads towards the cashier. By the way, I can't believe how dumb it was to have him hold a crinkly bag of chocolate bars while we're trying to record him. Hey, weird question I was just thinking of. Do you believe in ghosts? 
So this cashier looks at Manu, and she looks kind of like annoyed or terrified or she's shy. It's hard to tell. And then she just says, I don't want to believe in ghosts. I don't want to. Manu sees his opening. There's so many stories about them. There's so much, yeah, yeah. So much evidence, right? Yeah. Then the cashier blurts out something like, it just gets you thinking, and then it creeps you out. And before you know it, you're staying up at night, like, yes. locking the door. <laughs> Thank you. You too. I'm going to put that one in the oddly effective category. Yeah, it was actually thrilling. It was it was very rewarding and satisfying. It was like a smooth interaction. Another area that tested very well was weird T-shirts. One of our customers had a shirt that read, we used to be pussweeds, but now we're metal. Uh, it's a quote from the film Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. For whatever reason, it prompted lots of conversations. So I tasked Andrew with designing a weird T-shirt. Now he's in the parking lot, revealing it to Manu. Ah, uh, no way! I see uh, Steve Oven. It's actually not Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. No? Uh, Fawns? Not the Fawns either. Uh, I'm looking at a confused white man. I can't tell if he's still trying to guess who's on this shirt or just describing you at this point, Rob. Andrew, what is happening on this T-shirt? You know what? I should uh, bring it up. Uh, this is David Schwimmer from Friends, from uh-huh. the TV show Friends. And underneath it is a quote from the crocodile hunter Steve Irwin, the late Steve Irwin. It says, yeah, I'm a thrill seeker, but crikey, education's the most important thing. So this is just nonsense. A little bit. And then uh, just to put it over the edge... I photoshopped off David Schwimmer's eyebrows. That's what's wrong with it. <laughs> Ew, it's so disgusting. It is it is literally gross. So it's weird. It's weird. Check. So Manu's got the shirt on. He's ready to go. Let's do it. Let's go swimming. Manu and Andrew head inside. It turns out the CBC wireless mics have a range of about 10 feet, so Andrew kind of trails behind him. At this stop, Manu finally finds a delicious grapefruit-flavored fresca. It's got the subtle tang of a natural homegrown grapefruit uh, mixed with the fizzy scents of soda. Honestly, it's the greatest drink ever ever created. Then it's off to the cashier. Hey. Hi. How's the day going? Good, good. This shirt that's supposed to start this great conversation, it goes largely ignored. But much like Ross didn't give up on Rachel in season one of Friends, Manu is not giving up on this shirt. It's one if you uh, notice my t-shirt. Sir? Have you, have you know, do you know the t-shirt? Yeah, do you know what this is? She doesn't know who it is and isn't particularly interested in guessing. She rushes through the transaction and then delivers this conversation's death blow. She hands him the receipt. But Manu? Manu never says die. I, I also like this t-shirt because it's called this random, like, uncontextualized quote by Steve Irwin, you know? Uh, really fun. Really great t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, no, no bad. Thank you. So, uh, I feel like it kind of fell a little flat, and I felt a little awkward because uh, she clearly wasn't into it, and she probably thought I was, like, a weirdo, and, uh, I mean, I know, I know she thought I was a weirdo. Andrew's convinced this will still work. You know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we try it somewhere else, and it goes just as poorly. It's David Schwimmer, minus eyebrows, with a quote from Steve Oven. Oof, nothing. Okay, t-shirt doesn't work, I gotcha. But it did get Manu to tell us a cautionary tale about the time he shaved his eyebrows off. I actually lost a bet and I had to shave my eyebrows, and one of them never grew back the way it should. 
Next up, Andrew thought teaching Manu magic tricks would be a good idea. This had nothing to do with what the cashier said. It's just something that Andrew always thought was cool. No, no, no. I, I did this because of this infomercial I saw when I was a kid, and I always remembered it. It was called Jaw Droppers. What's all the excitement about? Jaw Droppers. Yeah. And one of the main selling points of Jaw Droppers was using magic as an icebreaker. You want to build self-esteem, self-confidence. That's magic. So I found a copy for Manu. It seemed perfect. So Manu has a DVD. He's picked his favorite, and he's ready to show us what he's learned. It's a trick that involves making a quarter appear out of nowhere. So, Rob, did you know? The quarter (laughs) fell on the ground. I'll get it for you. Rob, did you know that... uh, Hold on, you're already holding a quarter. Yeah, yeah, I was going to put that in my elbow. Andrew, where'd you get this trick from? This is this is the jankiest trick. This is Jaw Droppers Volume 2, called Out of Thin Air. Oh my gosh, I've never seen someone hold it in their elbow. That's it's not even in my elbow, it's in my sleeve. Okay, let's just run through the trick here, okay? Right. Let's get this thing dialed, regardless of how it's done, all right? Hey, sometimes a bad rehearsal means a good show. And sometimes a bad rehearsal just means the show that you're doing is very bad. Do you want to see a, a magic trick? Uh, sure. The magic trick doesn't work, and Manu has to cover. Sorry, it's, it's a really lame one. I'm trying to impress my uh, two-year-old nephew oh. with. <laughs> it's good. It's a good yeah. one. <laughs> I was trying to see if it would work on an adult and then go from there. All right. Thank well, you. We spend the whole night putting into practice tips from our cashier speed dating. Manu asks questions, he fills silences, he engages. But now it's time for the final test. We've arrived at his local pharmacy. Beyond those doors is the unnamed man he sees every single night. There's a history there with the old Manu. Awkward pauses, weird small talk. But this is the new Manu, with an ironclad approach honed by a focus group. And the David Schwimmer shirt. Now it's up to Manu. He's got to go with his gut. I have, a, I have an arsenal. I have a toolbox. I think having stuff planned is really helpful, uh, but I also don't want to overplan. Which is actually good, because in a moment, any game plan he has is out the window. Manu strolls through the automatic doors. His cashier, the one he's been training to talk to, the guy with the ponytail, he isn't there. It's some other guy from another shift. Uh, I was kind of hoping it would be a different cashier, because this guy, he's... Um, how do I put this? He's, he's kind of the stereotypical grumpy old man. This is going to be way harder than Manu thought. He's like the final boss of a video game, like Ganon from Legend of Zelda. Manu's new confident approach has been replaced with something else. Desperation. Honestly, I'm going to stick a quad up my sleeve. I think that's my emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heaven help us if things go so badly, he needs a magic trick. Andrew lurks by the exit as Manu stumbles towards the checkout box of fudgesicles in hand. At this point, I have no idea what he's going to say. Hi. Good. How's the day going? Have you had this ice cream? What's Have you had this ice cream? No, not that one. No? One of my favorites. Massive shutdown. If this was me, I would just throw in the towel. But not Manu. He goes completely off script with something I guarantee we did not practice. Do you feel like uh, you're on a TV show sometimes? I'll repeat that in case you missed it. He just said, do you ever feel like you're on a TV show sometimes? Do you like wake up and wonder, you know, like, wait, is, no. this, is this real or? A reality TV Yeah. Show. Manu is going full Truman Show on this stranger. Man, I thought he was going to blow our cover. But instead, it's working. Oh, it's life. That's life, right? There you go. Thank you. 
Next, Manu does something that is so simple, I can't believe we didn't think of it to begin with. It's like his secret finishing move. I feel, I feel like I've met you around a lot. I'm Manu. I'm Bill. Nice to meet you. Andrew? He just made a new friend. Awesome. I'll see you around. A minute ago, they were strangers. Now they have a real, superficial relationship. Oh, shit. Can I get a receipt for that? Sorry. Thank you. Bill and Manu. Manu and Bill. Two humans. Wait. Where did Manu get the idea to introduce himself? Yeah, I ran over there and told him to do it. But I like to think I just provided the steak. Manu brought the sizzle. That was a great touch, you know, introducing yourself. I feel like people don't often do that. And that's such a cool, great way to like start a conversation. Like, hey, I'm Manu. How's your day going? Right? Manu may not be the fawns of cashier small talk because the fawns doesn't really need weird shirts or magic tricks. Except for in Season 6, Episode 14 of Happy Days, where Fonzie has to perform magic at the annual orphanage fundraiser because Potsy accidentally gets a real magician drunk. But I get what you mean. <laughs> He's walking away from the Shoppers Drug Mart as a normal, non-awkward dude. And that's all he wanted. So you beat the final boss. I think I beat the final boss. I walked out of there holding four popsicles and feeling like I'm just on top of this world right now. And now we get to eat those popsicles. And now we get to eat those popsicles. Like, could life get any better? Three men, an associate producer, Jess Shane, standing on the side of a busy road, are popsicles thrust into the sky. No, life could not get any better. Cheers to you, Manu. Thank you. To, to being an awkward weirdo and making connections. personal best narration hotline. Please choose from the following options. Introduction. Monologue. Credits. You've chosen credits. Personal best was hosted and produced by Rob Norman and Andrew Norton. Yasmin Maturan and Jess Shane are associate producers. RF Narani is the executive producer of CBC Original Podcasts. The music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks to Cecil Fernandez and Luke Williams for production help on this episode. To see Manu's David Schwimmer shirt, visit cbc.ca slash personalbest. Personal Best is a CBC original podcast. Another CBC original podcast is The Fridge Light. Spice up your life with a buffet of food and facts with The Fridge Light. In the morning when you wake up, what pig products do you encounter? Do you hold? Do you use? Bread from the supermarket, like the sort of cheaper bread that stays good for a long time. In desserts, it's often gelatines as well. Subscribe to The Fridge Light wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for using the Personal Best Narration Hotline. I hope you've enjoyed your podcast listening experience. Goodbye. For more CBC Original Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash originalpodcasts.